0: Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. On the Record with White House correspondent April Ryan. Well, welcome to
1: this edition of On the Record with April Ryan. I am so pleased, so pleased to have this celebrity guest with me. Um, She is one of a couple of women who've written a new book. And what is the name of that book? I believe it's called For Colored Girls Who Commit Politics. What is it? (laughs) For colored girls who considered politics. Who considered politics. Mm. Yeah, commit or considered. I think it's the same thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you've got Absolutely. to commit to this thing. It's not black or white. There's no gray area here, is it?
2: No, ma'am, no, ma'am, you know it all so well.
1: Yeah. So the person I'm talking with is a dear friend, someone I met twenty one years ago, um, when I was fresh off the um <laughs> off the train from Baltimore coming to Washington, none other than one of the authors of this fabulous book, uh, for color girls who consider politics. Um, Minyan Moore. Minyon, thank you so very much for joining me.
2: Oh, thank you, and thank you for having
1: me, Ace. You know, it's always good to be with you. Yes. Now, Mignon, for those of you who don't know, um, she knows everyone. She's a strategist. Uh, she's a Democrat, major Democrat, but she also worked, um, one of the, the high-ranking African Americans who worked in the Clinton administration, um, helping Bill Clinton with his uh, black agenda, his urban agenda, Africa, all of that, and um, Bill Clinton's historic presidency, and, 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 and bringing blacks to the table. And and now we're talking about blacks coming to the table yet again. And this time, Mignon, um, it looks like we are at a historic moment, particularly with black women. So, I mean, this book is perfect timing.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I tell you, we didn't, we had no idea that this book would bump up against such history because you're looking at so many women of color around the country running from office, whether it's Lauren Underwood in Chicago, Illinois, or whether it's Ayanna Presley, who we had the pleasure of being with last night. She was in town campaigning for Stacey Abrams. And then we have Stacey Abrams. We have Joanna Hayes. And the list goes on. We have a Muslim American running in uh, Minnesota. So uh, we're, we're delighted to see these women have decided to just say, you know, time's up. It's time for us to get in.
1: Hmm. Well, we've been saying time's up for a long time. What's different now? Mm
2: -hmm. Well, you know, I think that, you know, after these, particularly after the last two presidential cycles, 2008 and 2016, African-American women understood pretty clearly for the first time that they were the backbones of the presidential presidential races. On one level, we were successful with one, which was President Obama, and the other level, we fell short with Hillary Clinton, but we did not fall short in our vote. And I think that African American women saw that and they said to themselves, Well, why are we just sitting on the sidelines? I mean, we have our vote, that's our power, we have our voice, we are committed public servants, and I think they finally just decided, you know, listen, it's time for us to get in the get in the ring. We are always supporting we're you know, we're like the supporting character on mm. every level. Whether it's the movies, whether it's you know, whether it's politics, and this time we said nope, we're going to be the lead actors, and I'm happy they decided to do it. And nobody gave them permission; they decided
1: to do it on their own. Well, black women, you know, we're rising in number as head of household and the breadwinner in our home, and we are not necessarily looking for permission anymore. We're looking for someone who is advocating for us, and and it's crazy because your example, the example of what you are talking about, Mignon, um, is. Something that played out in Alabama in the black belt uh, when Roy Moore was running and versus against versus Doug Jones, Doug Jones won because of black women, and that yeah that was very interesting and that was the dynamic that you're talking about. But now shifting from the vote to I'm now empowered to stand before you and ask. To serve you, and one thing, one thing, and I'm I'm going to tell you this, and I don't think you really realize this. You told me this years ago, and it stuck with me. And you always have something poignant to say, um, and I'm so privileged to be able to talk to you from time to time. But you said to me a long time ago, you said leadership means service, and okay. I'll never forget that. That's
2: right. I've always believed that. I've always been, you know. It's uh, you know. Listen, April, you can just look at your life. I mean, there has been no better—you you might be a journalist, you might be a renowned journalist now, but what you are doing is giving a service, and a service that has been so vital to our community. You have put yourself in a place to be abused. Mm-hmm. You have put yourself in a place to lift up our voices, even against hatred, and so to me, that is the finest. That's the best example we have in terms of, you know, black women who you, you don't have to be in politics, but you have you are telling our story. And I fundamentally believe if we had more April Lyons out there, then, you know, the world to me would be a better place because you have given us so much voice and so much courage just watching you every day. Oh, thank looking, you, yeah. looking at the belly of the beast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Lord!
1: Oh, I right, like our oh, phone conversations are now spilling spilling into the podcast. But you know, I mean, it, it, you know, but when you talk about the belly of the beast, when you talk about looking at the belly of the beast, we saw the belly of the beast as women are crying out in the midst of this Kavanaugh issue. Oh. He is now a U.S. Supreme Court justice, and he was made that by any means necessary by the Republican Party, regardless of the hurt, the pain, and and the suffering that many people are reliving Living
2: through this testimony from Dr. Ford that's right and I you know the one thing that I've always given the Republicans credit for is they tactically know rules and I knew I probably knew two or three weeks ago that if there was some way that they can maneuver around this vote then they were going to do it and while they gave Dr. Ford a hearing bless her heart and I hope that all All righteous people will continue to lift her up because she she came up here probably unwillingly and told her story. But the truth is, you know, even in telling her story, it kind of fell on deaf ears. But let us just fast forward. Let us understand what that really means. We have the federal government is controlled by Republicans. The Supreme Court is controlled by Republicans. The U.S. House And Senate is controlled by Republicans. So we don't have a co-equal branch of government anymore. No checks and balances. No checks, no balances. And so to me, that means that if we saw Dr. Ford, if we saw her pain, then we better make sure that we vote in a way that she understands That we heard you, we saw you, and we're not just going to let this fall on deaf ears. And that just doesn't go for African-American women or African-American people. That goes for Latinos, that goes for progressive whites, that goes for college-educated white women, all of the above. So, If you believe, go go ahead, ahead, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say, if they believe that this was the turning point, then let's see it. The turning point is at the ballot box. With all this said,
1: you know, we know that voting is one of the tools in the toolbox. And you have co-authored a book with, with a couple of other great, dynamic, history-making women. Leah Daughtry and, and Donna Brazil, and yourself, mm-hmm. Mignon Moore. I mean... And Yolanda Caraway. Yes, yes. And, mm-hmm. and, and you guys are, 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 are talking about women of color and in this, this game that we are not necessarily in. And when you think about politics, it's still a white male dominated industry. And I say industry for a reason, strategically. So what is the, the, the prescription for a woman who who is tired of the system, who's voted and maybe got what she wanted or maybe didn't get what she wanted, but still wants to be engaged? What's the prescription?
2: I think that I think there are a couple couple of levels, and you know, public service doesn't have necessarily a big I or a little you involved in it. I mean, there there are a number of ways. Obviously, there's the elected officials way. We, most of us, me, Donna, Leah, and Yolanda, we chose the behind the scenes. Donna, obviously, a lot more uh, media media. Um, inclined than we were, so we did most of our tactical work from behind the scenes. and that came literally you know we started off most of us as volunteers or having some friend that recommended us to come to you know the Democratic National Committee. I know when I started back in the day I came I came to I came to Washington with Reverend Jackson's Rainbow Coalition and then one of my friends over at the uh, DNC recommended me for a position over there. And part of the challenge is you got to put yourself out there and you got to make sure you're making friends. You know, we do, especially I say this to the young people, they don't do enough. It's not networking. It is building relationships and relationships that matter and not just building relationships for the sake of getting ahead, but building relationships so that these people will see you as a value add. And, you know, it hasn't changed very much, April. You know, it's who knows who and see this is the this is the sad part and the good part about politics. It still is very much based on a relationship driven business. And we have to do a lot more of referring each other. You know, one of the things that we talk a lot about in this book is when you sit at the table, do you sit at the table by yourself or do you sit at the table and figure out how you can open the door for other people to come through? Mm. And, you know, being the only one in 2018 going into 2019 should never be a badge of honor. It should be like, whoa, this is not right. Let me figure out how I can get in here and work with the leadership in here, and we can expand the pie. Hmm. Because, you know, we're always fighting over the little pieces of the pie. No. Draw you a pie on a piece of paper and figure out how you draw a bigger circle around that pie. Because it's enough pie to go around, but we're always, we always we chop up the little force that they then gave us, and then we feel like we have no more room. But the truth is, we need to expand the pie. Mm-hmm. Okay? And and I think about I, I
1: think about two people with this pie this pie analogy that you're giving. Mm-hmm. I think about. Um, I think about T.D. Jakes who says, you know, other communities were given a shovel and we've been given a spoon to dig our way out of, out with. Mm -hmm. And then I think about Shirley Chisholm, the first black woman who ran for president in 1972. Kind of along the lines that you're talking about. You're talking about a pie at the table. She was just talking about getting to the table. She said, if you don't have a seat at the the table, bring a folding chair. Bring a folding chair. Yeah, and you're talking about getting at the table now with these pies and having one pie and then making a bigger pie. So it's interesting, you're playing off of the advances that were already set in place and trying to move forward
2: listen we are all the product of somebody's hard work i never walk into a room and believe that if i made it somebody didn't pave the way by their blood sweat and tears whether it was shirley chisholm dorothy hyde reverend barrell dr maya angelo all the people that we were privileged to have as mentors They paved the way. They they had it much harder than we do. We have the luxury of at least walking in the door. Sometimes they didn't even get in the door. Mm. And now that we're there, I mean, I, I you know, and I know this feels ancient to some people, but we still have an obligation to whom much is given, much is required. And it doesn't mean that you have to not believe in yourself, but it's also you have to believe in the collective. I mean, it's nothing wrong with you know. I tell the young people that I mentor. Now you're old enough to start doing the same thing. If I can't tell, I can't see your trail, then I'm going to ask myself the question: Well, why did I mentor you? Hmm. It's t- I mean, you know, the thirty-something. You know, they're all trying to be millennials. Now, you can't be a millennial for
1: the rest of your life. So, so you right, you gotta work. You gotta work. So, so Mignon, in the in the last few minutes, I wanna I wanna have I, I want you to answer two questions. Um, mm-hmm. One, um, I want you to give us you know an overview of the book because we all need to read it, even if we're not the one that's running for office. We need to look at our community, look at it, 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 what is needed, and maybe play a part behind the scenes, as you were talking about, and also. Um, the blue tsunami that that's expected, because we're hearing also about a red tsunami, and I want you to to address those two questions.
2: Okay, so you because I think you went in a little bit. So you, you want me to give a little synopsis of the book? Mm-hmm, a synopsis of the book, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, first of all, I want people to understand that it is really a beautiful story about four friends, and it's really five friends. Uh, one person, Tina Loy, unfortunately, she was quite busy and couldn't commit the time but she's kind of laced through the book and we really tell the story of our journey in politics. It's funny it's witty, it's not all serious, but what we try to show at its essence is that we were better together than apart that we were better as sisters. There was no big eyes, no little ears. You know, if Donna had a position and we could help her, great. If Leah was in position and we could help her, great. If it was Tina or me, great. We all found a way to help each other throughout this process. And it's just not, you know, us five. We've had people like Alexis and everybody else. Alexis
1: Herman, former labor secretary. uh
2: Yeah. Yeah, boosting us up. And what we're saying is, you know, it's okay, you know, it's okay to share with your sister friends. You know, we did a sister circle this morning, and we were talking about build a circle, build a circle of friends so you can always have somebody to depend on, because when the lights go out, then those people will still be your anchor. They will still be your guide. And so that's the... That's the basis of the book. Then it's another, the other part of it is pretty much a part of history, and then it's also a guide to, if you want to get involved in politics, some of the tactics that we use to stay in politics. But most of it was determined by how we kept each other cropped up and and what's oh, crazy.
1: Yeah, and what's crazy is I understand and, and I've been following you guys. I've been watching you. I mean, I, I've been watching my friends and I've been hearing about it. And I heard, you know, you guys even talked about the moment that you were perplexed at Donna Brazil's latest book, but she was your sister.
2: Yep. Well, we we addressed that in Chapter 24, for anybody that wants to read the book. (laughs) (laughs) They will read the book. (laughs) (laughs) We do address that in 24. And it was, I mean, it it did, as we describe it in the book, it put a fray in the friendship, because at the time we thought the book was going to be about something different. You know, I was intimately involved with Hillary's campaign. We all were, you know, Democratic, big D and little D Democrats. And I think everybody's emotions were so raw at the time of the book that, you know, it kind of took us back for a moment. It it made a step back. But what we like to say, we're not the housewives. You will never see us out in public, you know, saying mean and ugly things to scrapping each other. with one, any, one another. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not what a friendship is about. I wouldn't want anybody to do it to me and we didn't do it to her. She had she fr- frankly she had enough people doing it to her because, you know it just felt like they could. But that was not going to be our journey. And so we had to work through it. You know, some days we're still working through it, but I think for the most part we worked through it. We worked through it on our own terms. And we felt that it was important to write about because everything is not rosy in a friendship. We're not monolithic. And I think when people read the book, they will see four different personalities. And you'll probably end up saying, wow, these people are really different, but they can collectively come together around values and around things that matter to them. And so, you know, and there were times where we needed to just be there for her because she was in a lot of pain herself. You know, she was dealing with the FBI and the hacking situation, and we kind of misgaged each other along the way. And we recognized that, and we acknowledged it in Chapter 24, people.
1: <laughs> for color girls who considered politics. And, and lastly, the blue wave versus the red wave come November.
2: Well, let's just say this, Uh, you know, I am a, I am a product of 2016 Blue Wave, (laughs) so I probably are, I'm probably the biggest skeptic. I think, I think all of the emotions feel like it is going in that direction. I think that the campaigns themselves, just a few that I've talked to, feel like they are doing all the necessary things to prepare for Blue Wave, and that's encouraging, but I also say that we must quit treating voting like it's an event and mm. instead treat it like it's a lifestyle. And so. It's about your it like, life. That's right. Well, if we treated it like that, I would have more confidence that we were showing up. And I still feel like if the young millennials come out, those that were gun advocates, if all the women that showed up here in January come out. Let's do that if all the people that are now agonizing over Dr. Fullman, if the African-American women and Latino women still come out in record-breaking numbers, if men, if good, fair-minded men want to be with us, we want them with us, if that coalition comes out, then we have a blue wave. Huh.
1: Mignon Moore, it is always, always a pleasure to get your wisdom, to sit and listen to, just hear you talk, your experiences, your life. You are a sister friend. You are a woman to be cherished and honored for just just the way you think with politics. And I thank you, and congratulations on this book. I know you don't like talking to the media on the record, but I know... (laughs) But I she did put that out there, people. no because it's true. <laughs> but I so appreciate you, my sister friend, as always. I mean, and, and the name of your book again, um, talk to us, give it to us again.
2: It's For Colored Girls Who Considered Politics. It's not
1: about being the candidate, but it's also about being the candidate and or being behind the scenes to make a difference. Minyan Moore, That's thank right. you so much.
2: Thank you, April. It's always a
1: pleasure. Don't forget to subscribe to On The Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a
0: five-star review. On The Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.
3: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too?